Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are broadcasting following the Ag PhD Wheat Workshop. So we're at the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site right now. We've got folks here in our audience who will be asking questions as we go through our show. If you're in the audience, just raise your hand, say your first name and what state you're from, and we'll get your question. We'll run around with a microphone here and, and catch you. Uh, and if you're online, you can send questions in, uh, radio at agphd.com. And if you're listening on the radio, same thing, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to questions on wheat or really any agronomic topic that you'd like to discuss. Uh, so, you know, I've had a number of questions come in online during the wheat workshop that we didn't get to. We had, in general, more questions than time. Uh, there's one that came in from Jared, and, and unfortunately we weren't able to do this. He said, hey, you talk about pulling 24-inch deep samples, looking at nitrogen and some of the leachables. Yep. What do you use to pull a deep sample like that? Well, we'll have – it looks like a little – it looks like a soil probe, only at the bottom it's got it, – it, it's an it's auger, got an basically. auger. you got a screw-type yeah. auger. Yep. yep, so you just screw it down into the soil and, and pull it up, and, and in the in the auger, basically, you've got your soil. Uh, so that'd be one way to do it. I've, I've seen a lot of things. Uh, I mean, certainly you can buy uh, hydraulic probes that can go yep. deeper, that kind of thing as well. I've even seen some guys say, well, I'm just going to use a post hole digger. You could do that too. Uh, you could use a shovel. I mean, there's a lot of lot of different ways yeah, to do the, it. Yeah, the thing is, though, we want to get uh, the same amount of soil at each depth. So then we feel like we have a good quality sample. That's really what we're after. But you might say, well, it seems kind of extreme to go clear down to 24 inches. Number one, we got roots that deep. Number two, a lot of the areas where wheat is grown, it's fairly dry and heavier soils, so we're not looking at a lot of leaching. And the other big thing is through capillary action in the soil, water can move up, and when it moves up, it can actually bring nitrogen along with it to some degree. So, And hopefully we've got enough roots going down that deep so we're able to, uh, uh, to extract some of that nitrogen. All right, I had a question came in from Joe, and he said, I want to ask you guys about the differences here between liquid fertilizer and dry. Do you see a difference in yield? Often wheat's grown in dry areas. We've been using liquid over the top for a couple of years, but we're concerned about leaf burn and thinking about changing. Yeah, so if, you're, if you are spraying higher rates of liquid fertilizer post-emerge, then we just tell you up the water volume because otherwise, yeah, if, you're, if it's too concentrated, there's too much salt and you end up getting a fair amount of leaf burn. Um, in total, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I'd say our results with liquid fertilizer have been good compared to dry fertilizer, but it all depends on what we're after. We use a lot of liquid fertilizer in or on the soil and the advantage that I see is, especially in these last couple, three years where we've been really dry, we've got fertilizer available right away when it's liquid. With the dry, like I think about the potash and the phosphorus that we put out dry, uh, sometimes I can walk out there a month, two months later, and there's still dry pellets on the surface of the soil. So for example, last year, um, in, we, had, we have a new shelter, well, I call it new, it's probably six-year-old shelter belt now, and I was walking out there a few times this last summer. Well, anyway, the first time I'm walking out there, it's June, and our guys had put some dry fertilizer out in, it was either late April or early May, and I'm still seeing dry fertilizer on the surface of the soil. 
I'm walking out there in July. I still see some of the dry fertilizer. I'm walking out there in August. Even in September, we still literally had some of the dry fertilizer sitting there. So when you start thinking about that, how dry we are in some of these areas where wheat is raised, that's where I go, all right, well, your dry fertilizer program may actually be for next year or the year after. Just keep that in mind. So with the liquid, we have fast availability, and that can be a real big plus. So a lot of times when we're talking about what are we going to put out with the drill or whatever, a lot of guys do dry. I get that. But having some liquid there is pretty nice. Okay. Uh, question about tillering and winter wheat seeding. This one comes in from Doug. He said, we're seeding our winter wheat often early November. Uh, if we've got a put winter wheat out late like that is there anything we can do to promote tillering well you know the variety selection is going to be really important as in terms of which varieties are more likely to throw more tillers than others that will be one thing also if you've got some nitrogen that's available early you can often see a little bit more tillering that way too yeah and i, I mean it's like in any other crop like corn for example you want more tillering you seed less fewer plants so, I mean, seeding rate has a lot to do with it. Like we were talking earlier today when Darren was down in New Zealand and he was on Eric Watson's farm. He's the world record wheat producer. His final stand was only 400,000 wheat plants per acre, 400,000. And a lot of times, like here in South Dakota, we're putting out 1.5 million seeds. He's raising 400,000, but he had 4 million tillers per acre. So 400,000 plants but for million tillers. Well, a lot of that had to do with it was just thinner, number one, for seeding. But then uh, other than that, it's overall good fertility. And it's not just the nitrogen. It's some of the other things, too. We got to have the plant has to believe that it is going to do super well. And if it is, it's going to start throwing more tillers on. All right, we got a group out in Montana that's gathered up to, to watch the workshop today, and they said, hey, we're wondering, you guys talk about some of the fertility ratios, and we know nitrogen and sulfur are both important in wheat. Yep. Do you see any ratio with nitrogen and sulfur in the soil that you like to go for or any ratio as you're making applications? Um, I, I don't know necessarily about the, the ratio in the soil, but I, I know this. Uh, we usually end up talking about 15 parts nitrogen to one part sulfur when we're applying the stuff. Uh, so yeah, it would only make sense to, to, to take a look at that in the soil. It's just, they're both leachables. So quite often we don't have really high levels in the soil to begin with. So that's why I don't often focus on that ratio because we know pretty much every year if it's wheat or corn or any of these crops that need nitrogen, we're applying nitrogen. And when we apply nitrogen, we're usually applying sulfur. I would say this. So we were talking a little earlier today that there have been a lot of people focused on protein and they're going to put a lot of nitrogen out. And, and then our guest uh, from Montana yesterday, was it Montana State? Yep, yep. Uh, Clayton yep. Jones. Yes, uh, he was just talking about make sure you have sulfur out there too. We used to get all kinds of free sulfur raining down from the sky in our acid rain and our yield goals were a lot less. So we had plenty of sulfur. Now we don't have that. We gotta put more sulfur out there and then you're usually in better shape. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we'll be right back after this. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. 
Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5 EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. Good morning and hallelujah! My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Wheatfield Heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amped herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamped.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting not in the studio, but we're over at the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site. Uh, that is where we hosted the Ag PhD Wheat Workshop today. Again, if you're interested in catching any of our workshops this winter, you can check it out at agphd.com. Just click on the events tab. You'll see we've got workshops coming up about tiling. And yes, Brian can talk all day about tiling. I was caution people about asking tiling questions on the show because we only have an hour here so i don't know if brian can get it done but he gets to talk all day about tiling coming up next month also we got a full day workshop on corn production we've had some requests for that too hey i'd I'd love it if you had an extended radio show and just went start to finish in corn that's our corn workshop that's coming up and then Neil Kinsey's coming later well, on wait, in February wait, wait. as well. To clarify here, it's not the radio show is our corn workshop. No, no, no. We're going to spend that's from 10 a.m. all the way to 3 p.m. talking about corn. So anyway, those workshops are coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we got uh, a lot of other things too. So that's all at and, agphd.com. Yeah, and you can and, check out the schedule. Yeah, and our tiling and corn workshops are free. All right, we got a question here. Let's, let's jump to it. All right, talking about uh, pre-emergence on the weeds earlier, um, the past few years I've been using Culex behind the air seeder, yep. and it's been done a great job of uh, suppressing kochia and mare's tail issues. Yes. Could I stack that with prepare to get grass control in there with it, or would they antagonize each other? I don't know if we've had that question before. I don't know why there would be a problem. I can't imagine there would be a problem. Uh, nothing I can think of. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to use Sharpen for broad leaves as my soil residual. And I'm like, well, what are you doing for grass? Because Sharpen's not going to get the grass. Oh, I don't know. I spent all my money on the Sharpen. <laughs> and I get it. It's whatever, 11 bucks or something an acre for a couple ounces of Sharpen. But you could actually mix grass herbicides with that too. So, so yeah, so the Culex, um, we haven't had a lot of people using it because uh, they, they, well, 
it, it all depends on if you're for sure going to go wheat and not something else, uh, then it's okay and Culex is a good product. But around our region here, it's a lot of corn and okay, soybeans. So and guys ask about burn down in front, and I'm like, whoa, 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 not not in front of corn and soybeans. So we're talking so. central North Dakota here, and, and in the pothole region, we've got some pHs really all over the board, I'm guessing, with those potholes. We've got some salt issues here and there and, and things you got to farm around. And also some years not very much rainfall you know so i, I do like fall treatments i like pre-treatments because you got your best shot of catching some moisture to get the most out of those so I, I do like that and and yeah that's a product we don't talk about that much on the show but anyway no i i can't imagine you would have any problem uh, i i i think it would be just fine so uh yeah I'll, I, I, I got somebody I can probably ask during the show, and I, I'll, I'll maybe follow up with you here in just a little bit. So we'll see if we can get a, a, a more firm see, answer, but is, I can't imagine we're going to have Brian, this is a typical wheat question, though. Hey, I'm going to throw three things in the tank, and can I throw the fourth or fifth one in there, too? Because, man, I got a lot of acres to cover, not a lot of time. I'm a one-man show here. I mean, we get this all the time on wheat. There's no question about it that uh, you're trying to knock out several things at once. And, yeah, it can be done. You know, there are some combinations that don't work. One of them was Roundup Burndowns with nitrogen fertilizer, and that's another one I know, gosh, our whole careers as agronomists, we've had those questions. Man, can I throw my liquid nitrogen in at the same time as my Roundup? Well, sure, if it's a gallon or two. If it's, I'm going to throw 30 gallons of nitrogen out there and mix Roundup right in with that, we don't see the Roundup working very well. Uh, in this case, talking about pre-emerged products, less chance of having a problem than, than in a foliar case or, or less chance of antagonism as well. Okay, uh, Ed, some more questions that were in online. Uh, this one came in from John. He said, uh, you guys are talking about naturals, uh, specific, specifically the heat shield uh, product can that be sprayed later on in the season does it need to go on earlier uh, it, it's pretty broad spectrum that the heat shield could be used at, on a seed treatment it could be used uh, early foliar spraying could also be used later on so it, it's it's going to protect that plant for a while uh, what we've seen is the mobility within the plant is pretty good but when you get big plants so as you get towards flag leaf could you make another application? Would that add additional protection? I believe it does. So there's still more work being done on that particular product, uh, but it's one that could be used early, and it could also be used again later on. Uh, Brian had a question. You guys were talking about the 2,4-D and getting that out of some of these programs. What about swapping the 2,4-D out of the pasture programs and putting more dicamba in? I think Brian kind of hit on that. When we look at just the flat-out cost, when you can buy distinct for how cheap that is comparatively to uh, equivalent rate of a 2,4-D, like LV6, I think you used as an example, at 1.3 quarts or 2 quarts, a 4-pound LV4. Um, yeah, that's that's a good choice. You do still have to be concerned about dicamba, though. And, and we see this every once in a while where guys are like, well, you know what, it's July now, and I'm finally getting around to spraying something in the pasture. Probably not the best time to be spraying dicamba in terms of volatility and drift potential when you've got those kind of temperatures. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing with everybody's been talking about dicamba, volatility, and drift here over the last few years. If you're going to spray Extendamax or Ingenia in soybeans, you are limited. Like in our state, they're going to move the date up to June 20th, I believe. And 
if I'm spraying those products or one of those products in my beans, I got to have it done by June 20th. But I can go spray Banville any day of the year. Old Banville in my pastures, in my road ditch, or on my farmyard. I can spray it any day of the year. So it just seems strange that I've got the formulations that are supposedly better and I'm limited, and I can go with the old stuff. I can spray it anywhere I want, anytime I want. I, it makes no sense to me. No, well, I, I anticipate some of those things are going to change. I think I've heard rumors that Indiana was going to make changes where any form of dicamba is going to be limited yeah, to the I, same date, and that, I, it, it's that gonna, does make sense to it's me. It's going to be coming. All right, we got a question right here. So, Aon, if you wouldn't mind, give us your first name and the state you're from. That'd be great. I'm John from South Central Minnesota. I'll change the subject just a little bit. Sure. So if, if you're, you've talked a lot about treating wheat seed. Yep. So how, what's your recommended method for doing that at the farm level? Well, you can do liquid seed treatment or you can do dry. There's probably more choices when it, well, there's definitely more choices with liquid. Uh, so whether that be uh, spray nozzles on your auger as you're loading wheat out, wheat out, uh, whether you run it through a fancy drum treater. Uh, I know on a small scale, even our research team will use a cement mixer and, and mix small batch stuff. Uh, obviously, if you're planting wheat, you're planting usually quite a few bushels. Uh, but generally, it's a liquid seed treatment that's spraying it on uh, as it's going through an auger or, or something like that. A lot of different ways you can do it. Depends on what you're putting out there, too. Uh, I, I do like some of the dry treatments, like we mentioned, cereal NS that has talc plus a couple different biologicals I, I i do like that coating um if you're going to be adding some talc in anyway we really like the ct applicator uh that's a brand ct um, they they do a little better job so you don't have any of the clumping and with talc and graphite one of the challenges we've seen where we see a lot of uh, blowout out of the back of the drills or out of planters is when it gets dumped in one big lump there's static electricity in those products. And as you spread them out a little bit as you're going with the seed, that static is going to cling to the seed pretty well. If you just dump a big lump in, so just imagine you had a 50 bushel hopper with wheat seed and you just dumped a pail on the top with a couple pounds of talc or graphite and then you're gonna stir it in. Well, it uses up a lot of its static cling on itself. And then when you mix it out, it doesn't have the static cling anymore, and it ends up falling out to the bottom of your hopper or blowing out the back of your drill. So using something like a CT applicator is helpful. The other thing about CT that's a little different than some of the other applicators, and it sounds like I'm on a sales pitch here, but uh, this is just from personal experience, they use a stainless steel hopper. And my first thought was, man, I don't want to pay for a stainless steel hopper. I don't need anything that fancy. Just a, a poly cone bottom would be just fine for me. The problem with the poly is it's got a lot of static and then it used all the static cling up sticking the stuff to the side of the poly whereas the stainless steel hopper it flowed right down and and worked quite well so just a couple things there but i i, I guess you know whether you're using liquid or dry we do like multiple fungicides on wheat seed that that pays year in and year out we like adding some insecticide on whether it's a neonic or the new taraxa which has been fantastic on wireworms and we definitely like some of these naturals, too. We'll be back with more of your questions right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils 
your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It doesn't matter what you grow, how much you grow, or where you grow it. Commodity Classic is the place to discover what's next in agriculture. Join us in Orlando for America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. Preparing for the next generation. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton Center today at the Ag PhD Field Day sites. We aren't in the studio. Uh, we just finished up the Ag PhD Wheat Workshop. It's been fun talking wheat all day, but of course, we'll take any agronomic questions you have. You can email us, radio at agphd.com. And for our live audience here, just raise your hand. We'll come around with a microphone and, and get you going. Go ahead, Zach. When we talk about soil testing for nitrogen at the six inch depth and then the six to 24 inch depth separately, and there's often a big difference in the number you see in the top six to the bottom six to 24. When we're rotating to a crop such as wheat, which is considered a shallow rooted crop, can we bank on it being able to mine that far down and utilize everything down there? Or should we take that as a grain of salt and take X percent of what it shows we have at that depth probably and you know the other thing along with that you could do so like our suggestion today was 
before you do stream bars or any kind of in-season nitrogen application for wheat, at least maybe pull some samples then. And like what we do on our farm at that timing is we do 0 to 12 and 12 to 24. Because if, let, let's put it this way, when you do a 6 all the way to 24 inches deep, there's a big difference if my nitrogen is at 7 inches or if it's 24 inches. So at least if I'm doing 0 to 12, I feel like, okay, I feel super confident I'm going to get all that. If I'm 12 to 24, I go, eh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm hoping to get a lot of that, but probably not all of it. So would I take a factor? Yes. How much? That's kind of your call. It depends on what you have for compaction and soil moisture and how deep you think your roots are getting and all that. But that's how I would break it up if it was me. Hey, the other question, Brian, around nitrogen and, and wheat is we talk about organic matter for each 1% of organic matter in our soils. During the whole season, that should release 20 to maybe 30 pounds of nitrogen, in depending on where we're at. Yep, that's right. I mean, as you go further north, maybe it's a little less. As you go further south, maybe it's even more. How do you figure that with wheat? Because the timing that we need that nitrogen yep. is earlier than in some other crops. Yeah. So like around here, let's say that we figure it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow for just over half of our growing season. So I, then I'm going to say, all right, if it's around half, then I'm going to figure half. So if normally in our 5% organic matter soil, we get 100 to 150 pounds for the whole season, I'm going to say, all right, for the wheat, we're going to probably figure 50 to 75 pounds, something ballpark like that. But that's also part of why we suggest pulling some tests in season. You don't have to do lots, but even if you did a couple, three, four, eight tests, whatever, in season, at least you have some kind of clue. Because sometimes we've been very surprised where we thought, oh, we're not going to have a lot left. You know, we know what there was before. We know what we put on. We think there's only going to be X amount out there. And we go out and we sample, and it's like, I have no idea where this, this nitrogen came from, but I'm sure glad I tested because there was more than what I thought. And, you know, with a lot of these other nutrients, I don't mind if we overapply a little bit. Phosphorus, potassium, because it's not going anywhere. But the nitrogen, we, this might be the only year it's there. So why spend an extra $30 if I don't have to? Okay. That's the way I look at it. Zach had another question on fertility, and it ties in with a question that Ross sent in here. Ross said, okay, I'm in a six-and-a-half-inch spacing. How many pounds of P, K, and sulfur can I put in row? And I know Zach had the same question about <laughs> potassium specifically. How much can I put on? And, you know, I think about this. In my mind, I, if I'm in a build program, I'm certainly thinking I'm going to broadcast apply, then I'm going to drill. Even if I'm in yep. a no-till situation Agreed. and I'm in central North Dakota, I'll, I'll put the fertility out there, I'll drill. At least I pushed some of it down in the soil a little ways rather than putting too much. I mean, if I'm putting anything in the row, I'm just thinking about pop-up. I'm thinking I want just a little bit, just a few pounds to get me out of the ground. If I'm doing a big program, I, I would broadcast that in a separate application. Okay, couple of things. First of all, when you are on six and a half intros, compared to 30 intros, just think about this for a second. Now, in effect, so if I'm in a 30 intro and I put the exact same number of pounds out on a per acre basis, Let's see, and I'm trying to do something for simple just, math. Just say here. it was Let's a say six intro. Off. Just say it was a six intro instead yes. of six and a half. Thank you. Easy uh, math. Yep, really easy math. So now, if let's say I put 100 pounds out and I've got that in 30 intros, now, and you think about the concentration next to each seed, if I'm in six intros, that's one fifth. 
So in other words, I divide my 100 pounds, now it's like putting 20 pounds out. So that's part of the reason why guys put on, many times when I hear the rate that people are using in wheat, and they're like, oh, this scary. Is, yes, in row. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, that's well, right. Well, Zach's question is how much can I force down that tube before I start having issues even yeah. delivering the seed? So yeah. I don't but, know if you, you've been around Brian too long, I think, thinking but, about how much can I get out there. Okay, but, but here's the <laughs> other side of this, and this is the reason why we're always concerned, because by very definition, fertilizer is salt. So we want to be at least a little bit careful because salt can damage seed and young seedlings, especially when it's drier. So again, when we're talking about wheat and a lot of wheat country, it's drier. So we are going to worry. It's just fortunately, wheat seed is a lot more tolerant to salt than corn or soybeans and some of these other crops. So I'm going to be probably more conservative than most people. How much would I put out exactly? I don't know. Because uh, I don't know what your blend is going to be or anything else, but I'm just going to say I'm going to probably be more conservative than many well, people I worry about. Okay, because what about this too? You know, where wheat is grown, in a lot of cases, it's fairly dry country, so you aren't going to have as much moisture. And let's just say you, you you said yep. we're going to get six inches of moisture this month. Well, that's a whole different story. Then I might get six inches of moisture this year. So you've got a lot more safety if you've got heavier dirt, if you've got higher organic matter, if you've got great microbial activity, and if you get plentiful moisture. Hey, by the way, I want to go back to the question. I, I just had to double check the Culex thing. And by the way, Culex, this is, so this is the tank mix, Culex, Culex sharpen, burn down in front of wheat. Uh, Culex, what that is, it's Elevore, which is a 2,4-D replacement product. And then it's got florazolam. It's an ALS herbicide that has activity on many different broadleaves. Uh, so the main reason why you have the Culex is narrowleaf hawksbeard. That's the biggest thing that that gains. Uh, so in other words, that florazolam component. Otherwise, you could just go Elevore in the future, and then you just have the 2,4-D replacement product that's uh, same chemistry as 2,4-D, or same chemical family as 2,4-D. Anyway, uh, yeah, there's, there doesn't appear to be any problem. We're not worried about that tank mix. Uh, the only thing that we would say is if you just want to go Elevore, you could certainly do that and maybe save just a little money. I don't know how the Culex is priced compared to Elevore this year off the top of my head. Uh, so I, I guess that's probably the biggest thing I would say. But yeah, it doesn't appear like there's any problem. I didn't think there was, but I just... Figured, ah, I better check. It's something a little bit different. So anyway, uh, Sharpen is a PPO. The Elevore is a group four uh, growth regulator. And then the Florazolam that's in there in that Culex is an ALS. So you got three different modes of action if you did that combo. Okay. Uh, another question. This one came in from John, and he said, you know, we're talking about nitrogen and sulfur being important for protein. And he said, what if we use ESN at seeding? So we, we basically encapsulate that nitrogen, delay the release of the nitrogen. Would that be enough to still improve protein in wheat, or would we need a late-season application? So say that one more time. What were they going to do? Put ESN out at seeding. Yeah, uh, with the f enough nitrogen to last the whole season. Okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you could do that. Is it going to help? Sure, it's going to help because, and, and here's one other thing to consider. So some people are, are talking about this ESN. Oh, should I go all ESN and then it's protected and everything else? 
Um, what we would probably tell you is do a portion that would be ESN. Let's say it's 30%. So you go urea uh, plus 30% ESN. So now you got something available now, and then you got something available later on. So that's a, that's a way to cheapen it up too, because obviously urea is going to be much cheaper than ESN. So that's probably the direction I would go. And will some be available later in the season? Yes. Is it going to be as good as applying the nitrogen later in the season? Honestly, it depends a lot on rainfall. It probably would be pretty close, uh, all depending on I the think, rain. I think it's interesting because a lot of the questions that we get, just overall agronomic questions are, can I do it this way because it would be easier? And many times easy is not the way that gets you the most yield or makes you the most money. So something to think about. Okay, we'll take more agronomic questions right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking wheat a lot on today's show, but of course, you can always ask any agronomic question you have about any crop. It's uh, normally uh, we're taking calls and we'll be back to taking live calls tomorrow. But today, since we aren't in studio, uh, the best way to send a question in would be radio at agphd.com. All right, go ahead, Dylan. We got another question. Is it safe to say that crops all grow as, are they root down as deep as they grow tall? Not necessarily the depth. Uh, and that's, no. that is a good question. Oftentimes the volume of plant below ground, depending on the plants, but, yeah. but many plants have a similar volume of plant below ground. So they may grow uh, out more than down, uh, but they need something to anchor that plant down. So, oh, go ahead. When we're talking about putting on the growth regulators and palisade to keep uh, the plant stature shorter, are we at all inhibiting the depth at which the roots stretch? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't believe I so. Seriously, doubt it, that. it actually is taking more of the plant mass instead of going up. It, it actually thickens the stalk a little bit when you're using palisade. So, yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. I, no. I know on some of the research done in corn, where we've seen four and five foot tall corn hybrids, we've seen a, a proportional decrease in the root mass below the corn plant. So I think a lot of the research on four and five foot tall corn has been, yeah, we have a five foot tall corn uh, root system compared to a 10 foot tall corn, about half the roots. Eh, we don't really like that. We'd love to have the same amount of root mass to bring in the same amount of water and nutrients and, and produce you know twice the year. That would be great, but it just hasn't worked out that way. With Palisade, don't see that problem. The other thing that we're often doing in wheat, though, is we're using palisade to shorten that plant up, and then we're using mega-grow with herbicide applications to, to try to enhance that root system. With the uh, auxins, there's a couple different hormones that are in mega-grow, and for four or five bucks, we've seen some really nice improvements in yield due to increasing the root mass size and increasing the amount of root hairs. So that, that would be a way to offset anything that that could happen with other growth hormones. So when we talk about root depth in corn, for example, they many times have found corn roots 20 feet deep or deeper. So they, I don't know who dug those holes. I know. I, but I know in our ground, if you get much deeper than 10, you're really worried about that wall caving in. So well, I, I'd yeah, be nervous but, about that. But, but anyway, when we talk about root depth, we have to always keep in mind, roots will take the path of least resistance. So if we have compaction, that stops things. If we have a water table that's high, that stops things. And so anyway, in terms of root depth, we see tremendous variance. But to Darren's point, the, the above ground mass is more relational with below ground mass, not ne necessarily depth. Yep. All right. Okay. I had an email come in here, and this one is from Dan, uh, or I'm sorry, from Matt. And Matt said, are there any fungicides effective on ergot control in spring wheat? All our wheat is on soybean ground, and we're still getting some ergot. What's the best rotation to use, if that can help? We're normally doing corn, then soybeans, then spring wheat. Hmm. Yeah, if you're two years away from wheat, usually we do not see a lot of ergot. Um, one of the biggest things I would say is we got to make sure we have the, the field as weed-free as possible. And a lot of times where we'll see more ergot is going to be around the, the borders, um, around where the grassy areas are. So control the weeds. 
and hey, if two years isn't doing it, then unfortunately you might have to go uh, three or four years away, and then I'm going to assume that's going to do it. There are no fungicides that are labeled foliar for ergot, but pre-emerge, or I should say seed treatment, some of the triazoles have been known to at least reduce the amount of ergot that's there. So that's probably our best bet. And a lot of times they're going to tell you, use clean seed. So use clean seed and then make sure that you treat it with something that's got a triazole and maybe one of the newer triazoles, that'd probably be good. Uh, but yeah, post-emerge and once it sets in there, I don't know what you can do at that point. Uh, there is a little bit of varietal tolerance also, so maybe try switching wheat varieties, and that could potentially help as well. Yeah, I had another question earlier today, Darren, about ergot. We probably need to put that into future uh, soils clinics, so I actually uh, made a, made note of that. So anyway, Very good. okay, let's get to our next question. So I was actually um, thinking about following my uh, winter wheat with a an O3 soybean, and yep. um, just... Some of the research I've done, it looks like uh, Varro might be the, about the only herbicide option I'd have as far as reducing carryover. Um, so I don't, what do you guys think well, about Well, it? here's the thing. with If you're going to go wheat and then soybeans, you could use Sharpen. Use Sharpen ahead of that wheat. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be all worn out by that point, so you aren't going to have any I, well, I did yeah, use but, it pre-emerge. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so keep, yeah, so keep in mind, we're talking winter wheat here. So he would have done that way back in the fall. So the odds are high that he's going to have some issue with something here this spring. So, so, uh, what is, so what exactly is your question? Uh, would you recommend Varro or, or is there another? Using, uh, more, are, using more residuals in crop in the wheat or are you worried about that hurting well, the soybeans? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah. I'm worried about carryover in the soybeans. But what are we trying to kill? Uh, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this so is in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Two things. First of all, with your Varro, um, that's double, more double grass. cropping in Wisconsin. I like that. That's aggressive. Yeah, that was going to be point number two. Is I don't know if this is going to work. Hey, it's worth trying. Have you done it before successfully, or is this the first time? No, I've never tried it. Okay. Excellent. It's, do it on it's your a brother. very short soybean variety. Yeah, do it on your brother's ground. That's what I no, recommend. That works pretty good. But no, in all seriousness, <laughs> I wouldn't do a zero three. I'd find a double zero. So we got a lot of guys that are raising double zeros up on the Canadian border and into Canada, and you'd be surprised. Some of those those yields yeah, are pretty we, good. We actually, I don't think a double a zero point three is going to make it. Is my concern. Now, had, maybe a, it will, but I'd go earlier. Yeah, we had a farm operation today from from Manitoba that was here. They're raising double zeros. They had fifty seven bushel beans last year. So okay, it, 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 there's some yield potential there. There's no doubt about it. All right. So anyway, with the Varro, our our big concern is you're not going to be great on much. Well, uh, and I, I worry about ALS, it because I'm betting pigweed so, is a big concern in your area. Usually, I don't know about in wheat or not, but not in your operation. Okay. Yep. So 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 that's I guess where we're going is we need to know what her or what uh, what our target really is. So, so what our suggestion is, so Varro's mainly a grass killer anyway. So I'm probably looking at any of these other ones. So, I mean, we've got Axial, and there's uh, Axial Bold and Discover. They don't have any residual to speak of. So we've got choices there. If you start looking at any of these ALS, whether it's Everest 3.0, uh, you know, PowerFlex, anything like that, those all do have more residuals. So if I was going to do anything with grass, I'd probably try to hit it in the fall, uh, like PowerFlex, so then I don't have to worry about it so much rotating. Yeah, Brand's on page 24 in the book. Oh, you can thank you there now, too. Um, but, yeah, then we start talking about, all right, what do we have for options 
for broadleaf killers that don't have residual because that's really what I'm focused on. If I got to spray something in, let's call it May, and I'm going to turn around in July and I'm going to try to raise soybeans, there's not a lot of time there to get rid of stuff. So you start looking down the list. All right, I got wide match. Well, there's stinger in there. That's probably going to hurt the beans. I got husky. There's an HVPD in there. Probably going to hurt the beans unless it was an LLGT27. So that would be the thing. If you could plant an LLGT27, uh, I don't, know I don't, I don't think they have them that early. That nope, I agree. So you're kind of stuck. Then you, you look down the list further. Okay, I got Pixaro. That's got Starane plus Elevore. Elevore is a 2,4-D replacement product. Would I be interested in that? Yes. That I, I, I would take a hard look at. Uh, you also have some of the sulfonylureas that would have no residual. And worst case scenario, there is always MCP, 2,4-D. Uh, you, you, you've got that choice and buctural. So I'm looking for something that has no residual, because uh, even Varro, um, it's going to have some residual. So I'm not super interested in that. Plus, it's an ALS, so it's not going to kill your broadleaf weeds that are resistant to ALS. And I just, I, I, I probably would not go Varro. Yeah, I was just looking at STS tolerant soybeans, and the earliest one I see is a 1.1. So I don't, don't really see anything that's going to work. And that's a lot of no. times in the South, guys will use. Uh, STS tolerant soybeans, so tolerant to this SU chemistry, um, to to go on their double crop situation. I just I don't see anything early enough for you, unfortunately. No, but I, I'm not that worried about it. I just pick any one of these things that doesn't have all that residual, and then you're going to be fine. So that's the direction I would go, and it, it all depends on what do you see for weeds. So I'm glad you started with Sharpen. Now what you do is you scout. You see what you got, and then you pick the herbicide that uh, that's going to fit. Hey, one other thing, Brian, though, if you read between the lines, he put down Sharpen. He said, yeah, pigweed is not a problem. You're in Wisconsin. That means it did pretty well. Yep. It's done a nice job controlling those weeds. Well, we got to hit a commercial break. We'll be right back after this. My mom's got a new case I extractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlast the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Cold weather draining your batteries? Nothing delivers peace of mind like a quality battery charger from CNB. Going on now? Buy three batteries and get the charger on sale. Learn more or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. CNB, your local John Deere dealer of choice. Offer runs until May 2023. 
Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are broadcasting following the Ag PhD Wheat Workshop. So, been talking a lot about wheat on today's program, but we're always taking your questions. Radio at agphd.com is the best way today since we are operating out of the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site. And we do have an audience here, and we'll go back to them for another question. Hi, I'm Pat from South Dakota. Say, I got a couple questions on prepare. Can you mix that with sharpen uh, pre-emerge yes. on spring wheat? Yes. Yes, you can. Yep, no problem. Okay. Uh, the second question, um, if our prepare's been sitting on the shelf in the shed for a couple of years, yep. is it still okay? Yep, sure okay. is. Very good. Now, um, I would say... Yep, if you're not sure if it is, I would suggest go to your brother's lawn... And just put a little bit out there, and you'll find out real quick if it works or not. But, yes, it will It will work. Now, we have had, with that chemistry, we were talking about that a little bit earlier with Everest, and uh, it's some formulation issues. So the product is probably good, but, uh, I mean, you might want to open things up in advance, so like now, and take a look. And if it, you go, I don't know, this doesn't look good, or I'm concerned, or whatever, just bring it back to your retailer. The, the company has been pretty good over the years about saying, all right, you know, we got a formulation issue here. We'll replace that product for you. Most of the time when anyone asks about, I don't care what the herbicide is, Roundup or Liberty or, I mean, almost anything, I don't care if it's a year old or five years old or 10 years old. Uh, usually the stuff works just fine. In fact, most of the herbicides we end up selling in the United States, usually, we've had these supply issues the last couple of years, but usually most of the stuff we end up selling is a year old. So, I, I mean, there's generally no problem with shelf life with almost everything, but prepare, and especially the Everest, because it's got that safener in there. We worry more about the Everest than we do the prepare, but I think you'll be fine, but if there's a problem, just bring it back. They'll usually swap it out. Yep, and anytime you've got a product that's sat around for a little while, it usually helps to warm it up uh, to make sure it's uh, warm. Sometimes stuff comes back into solution real well when it's warm. Shake up the jug, that kind of thing. And then the last thing would be just to filter. Well, if we're talking liquids, yep. Yeah, if, if you've got a liquid product, just filter it out if 
there's any kind of crystallization. Sometimes the inert ingredients, sometimes even the active, but a lot of times the inert ingredients might crystallize if it got too cold or, or something like that, that you may just watch that. What else do you have for questions from our online audience? Again? I think I've gotten most of the online ones done. Uh, All right, we got another question here with our live audience. Go ahead. Uh, Greg, uh, South Dakota. I was waiting, Greg. Now, <laughs> I mean, the last segment of the show before he finally, this is probably the first guy that was here today, Brian, and Greg's always full of questions. So go ahead, Greg. Uh, I got to get my micronutrients out because we've never messed with them much. Yep. Um, can I just throw boron into the spreader and yep. mix it and instead of taking a 90-foot spread, go like 40-foot or, or can I do a 90-foot spread? Will it carry with the fertilizer pellets? Okay, that's so, the big question. Uh, yeah, because as soon as he said, can I just throw it in the fertilizer spreader, I said yes. But the key is if you're going to blend it with something else, that's where we start to get a little bit worried. Uh, we, so I would just say you want to talk to your fertilizer supplier. If the bulk density is the same for whatever boron product they're going to sell you, then it's probably okay. But what we've seen happen in the past is the bulk density is not the same sometimes, and all the boron drops to the bottom of the spreader or it rises to the top. Now you've got all your boron going out in 10 acres or 5 acres or whatever as opposed to 100 acres. So that could cause a little bit of problem. So if it's me, I'm going to talk to the fertilizer supplier. If I can't get something where they go, they feel really confident that it's going to go even, then unfortunately that means you got to make a separate trip. On our farm, that's what we used to have to do was a separate trip. Now we've got, uh, we bought a used floater a few years ago, and now there's a, a micro bin, and so now that can go separate. And then we just go with our normal spread, and it's fine. Uh, it's an airflow machine. Yep. So if they've got a micro bin, that's what I would do. I think they'd be the cheapest. The dry sources of boron are much cheaper than the liquids. But yep. even so, if you said, all right, my only option is liquid, you can mix it right in with a nitrogen application or a pre-herbicide application, something yep. like that, and apply boron that way. Yeah. Too. So let's say it is a just a regular dry fertilizer spreader. Sometimes there are micro bins because we're talking small amounts you need here. I mean, it might be 5 or 10 or 15 pounds an acre, something like that. Uh, so I'm going to guess five probably is going to do it for you. And so that can drop down and it'll spread right with whatever else it is you're spreading out there. But to blend together with the other stuff, that's what we're more worried about than the actual spread. So I can still maybe stick with my 80 or 90 foot pattern. Probably, or, if that's what your spreader goes, yeah. Okay. Yep, but like I say, I'd, I'd make sure you're talking to your fertilizer supplier and, you know, the, the stuff's got to be, uh, it, 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 well, if you want to blend it, it's got to be similar bulk density. That's the big thing. Well, and the fun thing too, Greg, is you could go out there with drop pans and tell them, okay, run one pass, and you're laying your pans out, and they're like, what are you doing? And like, I'm checking you. I'm making sure that the spread's good here. Yep. And you check your drop pans, and you collect, and you say, uh, you know what? You're only getting about 40 feet here and that's it. Or you're getting it all to one side or whatnot. I'm not happy with your spread. Just wind it up right there. Yep. But yeah, but we, they, they definitely can do a good job. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say we have any real big concerns. We've been spreading dry boron on our farm for quite a number of years now. No problems. So, yep. All right, Brian, I get several people that are here that have asked about tiling. And I know a lot of times, especially 
in corn and wheat country or corn and soybean country, guys will put in a field or two of wheat with the idea of I'm going to go in there and tile. And I've had questions about what do you feel about following a tiling uh, by planting corn versus soybeans so I don't have to have the header quite so low. Uh, if I'm doing it after wheat, could I perhaps do some tillage late fall? Would that sure. be enough time for everything to settle? Uh, what what would you say going into uh, uh, late July into August tiling, uh, pattern tiling uh, into a wheat field? Okay, so we have done a bunch of this on our farm too. A lot of times we will tile in crop, uh, but if, but if we're talking about a pattern tile situation, there's one field I can think of that's a few miles away that we bought a few years ago, and I'm like, oh man, we got to do pattern tile. We're going to have to be 25 foot spacings on some of this. Let's just seed some wheat. And so we put wheat in there, get the crop off in sometime in July. And so then we spent the month of August working on our tiling project down there. And that worked out quite well. But yes, to your point, I mean, you're going to have some ridges there. And especially in that ground, we definitely did because we were doing a lot, putting a lot of tiles in. Uh, we ended up working it late that fall. And uh, then we evened things out. So I wasn't too worried about it. We, we prefer to let it settle. If it settles even for a couple of months, that's usually good enough. The more rain you get, the faster this all happens. Uh, so I, I can't say I'm super worried about it. If you go, well, I don't want to do a lot of tillage, and so I'm kind of worried about it, then yeah, it does make sense to put corn in there so you don't have to get real low to the ground or anything else. Uh, and I always tell guys too, let's keep in mind, hopefully you're only going to tile in that field once in your life. So it's no real big issue. Yeah, you're going to have some ridges, but it's a one-year deal. Okay, we got time for one more question here. When top dressing wheat with stream bars with whether it's 28 or 32 percent, yep, and whether it you know you're putting down 10, 15, 30 gallons an acre, is yep. there a specific target pressure that we should be aiming for in the sprayer? Hmm. I don't know what we've run on our own farm. But I'm, not, I'm not certain about that, and I know some guys like to uh, do a 50-50 mix with water just to dilute things down a little bit more to help reduce burn just a little bit more as well. The big thing is just we want to make sure it's dropping down. And so I just pulled a picture up on the screen there. The, the whole idea is we don't want it fanning out at all. Now, let's keep in mind, too, we have a lot of wind around here. And if all of a sudden we get some wind, that's going to move stuff out. So we have the, the best success when we can do this when it's a little less windy. And personally, I like it when there's dew on. Normally, we tell you don't be out in the field when there's dew on. I'd prefer here if there's dew because now that's the water that helps safen this whole thing and gets it to the ground better. So, yeah, I don't, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember what it is exactly. But the big thing is just that we get streams and not have anything uh, fanning out, fines, all that kind of stuff. So I, I just, it's a little trial and error and you go from there. Last, Nothing to get that concerned about. Last question that came in from John. He said, you were talking about the micronutrients. Do you prefer them in a side band or could I potentially put some micros right with my seed? You could potentially put them with the seed, not seed treatment. I, I mean, but with the seed, yes. Um, you just have to be a little bit careful about rate, but I assume we're not talking much. All right, thanks for all the questions that came in online. And thanks to everybody for coming to our wheat workshop today. We really appreciate seeing you all and, uh, and getting a, ch a chance to chat with you too. Thanks for listening to our radio show today. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.